0: happy friday everyone and thank you for joining us on fried okra the public education podcast for oklahomans i'm carrie coppernell jacobs with the oklahoma education association and
1: i'm alicia priest president of the oea fried okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in oklahoma we hope you'll join us every friday
0: we're joined today by joe dorman executive director of the oklahoma institute for child advocacy good morning joe
2: good morning
0: um we wanted to visit with you today about uh the mass coalition uh you have been the lead cat herder for the coalition can you give us a a little bit uh about what is the mass coalition who's involved what are the goals give us the skinny
2: so the mass coalition developed after the july board meeting by the state Board of Education Mm -hmm. when they voted to make a strong recommendation for schools to do a local policy on mask rather than doing a statewide policy through the board. Uh, Several of us uh, talked about this, discussed how upset we were, Mm -hmm. and it became apparent that the board was not going to bring up a policy that would be stricter and 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 require those masks all around the state uh, mm-hmm. with the increasing numbers after what we saw just a couple of weeks ago. I think it was on a Friday when we hit a then record high of about more than 2000 cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of us decided enough was enough. Uh, we at OICA put up some billboards with the board members from the State Board of Education with their votes emblazoned across their chests mm-hmm. for the yeses and nos and ask people to, instead of playing politics, uh, do what's right for the kids yes. and for those family members, for the educators, for the staff members, for everyone who's involved in the school setting. And it, qua- it caused quite a ruckus. And fortunately, the coalition really came together at that point, and we have been working in unison to try and encourage a stronger position from officials on what we need for masking policies all across Oklahoma.
0: So what are the, uh, give us a recap of what happened yesterday, because the state board had an opportunity. They revisited the issue. They had an opportunity to mandate masks again.
2: That is correct. And we weren't sure we had been told that it may not even be on the agenda, but they did place a resolution on the agenda that simply carried forward what they had already done. Uh, Back in July, they passed something strong recommendation for schools to do what you need to do locally, and they doubled down on that. And instead of four members voting yes and three voting against that, all seven voted for it yesterday. And it was extremely disappointing. We felt this was an opportunity that our leaders at the state level could make a strong case and send a strong message all throughout Oklahoma that this is serious Unfortunately, we have a lot of Oklahomans out there that still believe COVID-19 does not exist. Yeah. They think it was all a campaign tactic. Or that we it's not a th- big
1: deal. It doesn't, you know, because they see people that get flu-like symptoms, but they don't have the experience of having somebody so extremely sick.
2: That, that's exactly right. Uh, a lot of these people, uh, they, because they haven't seen it themselves or it's been such a light case that they've experienced, Uh, They don't believe it's the problem that it really is. And it impacts everyone differently. You have no idea how it's going to hit you. We know individuals who have had a very light case who may even be asymptomatic. But I also had a friend die two weeks ago. We saw a kindergartner down in Texas die. We've had one young child in Oklahoma die who had pre-existing conditions. But I'm sorry if even one person can be safe because people can put on a mask then we should be doing that Mm -hmm. we should do what we can to protect everyone around us and that's what a mask is about and they even said yesterday with the cdc that it's now the case that a mask does help you as well as others which is common sense we don't you don't want people breathing on you and you catch it from them uh, just like if you have it and you're asymptomatic you don't want to pass it along to somebody else
0: right and I, and I think that what you both said is very true that until, until it looks you in the face, there are people who still don't necessarily think it's real. And until you've had to, you know, like in our family, watch a funeral on live stream and you just know someone who maybe got better immediately or it's no big deal or you were asymptomatic, it, it doesn't feel real, but it's very real.
1: When, when you have to write letters to family members of educators who have passed away yeah. because of COVID, I mean, that that hits you in the core. Yeah. We have, we have a member that, um, got it this summer right before school started. He still has breathing issues oh he, that he didn't have before. He had no pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. in, in, uh, I mean, fit as a fiddle, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. And, um, he has memory loss issues. Wow. He has, uh, he can't walk across to get, Uh, his mail from the mailbox without getting winded. Oh my gosh. And he's still out of school. His doctor wrote him out for at least the first semester because he just can't physically uh, maintain, has a stutter now.
0: What? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this, so this raises the question then to me, like we, what we're left with is this hodgepodge of policies um, you know, I know in Oklahoma City Public Schools, we, we require masking, Edmund, Norman. UConn. Yeah. So, but there are many districts that don't, or they require it only at certain times or whatever. So what is the solution to that, Joe? Like how, I mean, it seems like everything's just sort of scattershot right now.
2: It is, and that's the problem, and that's what we're facing especially when it gets closer to basketball season starting up we've already seen issues with I'm volleyball so nervous we've uh, we've seen those yeah we need to be nervous those yeah. indoor yeah. sports are when this is going to become truly a super spreader uh, around the schools I, I we were talking yesterday on a coalition call and and I recalled uh, when I was playing basketball in high school that I got mono uh from a water fountain, I, I think at least it was a water fountain, uh, when we were at an away game on a school that had a mono outbreak. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was probably me touching the water fountain handle and then wiping my face. And that, that's the best guess I can get, but I know I got mono from being there at that school. And fortunately, It was a weekend and the symptoms hit me and I was able to stay home and quarantine and it didn't happen at school. But it's the same principle of what we're going to see with this. When we have these kids traveling to another school, Uh a strict masking policy, and there are issues, they're going to take it back to their school. And we've heard time and time again that kids are the least impacted by this. And that may be the case. The kids may not get as sick as adults, but Oklahoma's ninth in the nation for grandparents raising grandkids. Yes. We have a lot of teachers who are have a condition that may be considered a health risk. We have a lot of support staff who are older that are in a high-risk category. I, I'm worried about everyone here. I mean, we right. may be the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy, but we don't want these kids to all of a sudden end up in foster care because their grandparents catch COVID because the kids took it home from school.
0: And and that is, I mean, that's something that I heard. Just I, I serve on the uh, the school board in town, and that's something that I heard from parents, from grandparents raising their grandkids, that I, there is no backup plan for us. You know, and that, I mean, that just shakes me to my core. Like that is, uh, Um. So what's, sorry, I'm going to get, I'm going to get emotional, so I'm going to
2: move on. Um, so and this is an emotional uh, issue for everyone involved. It is. And that, that, that's part of the problem. It's been politicized uh, so much. If this had happened in an odd numbered year where there was no election, oh my this gosh. would have been handled completely differently. And it's become way too political. It, it, it's just,
0: and it's, and it's,
2: it's, it's frustrating.
0: It's like education. It should be, it should be nonpartisan. Um, yeah. so what's next what can people do what are actions that that need to be taken now because there are people who you know saw saw the board and everybody's responding differently to that you know there are people who are celebrating and there are people that are frustrated but what actions need to be taken now for folks who who do want more than a hodgepodge or they want something better in their district
2: well uh to, to steal a, a, a overused phrase, keep calm and mask up right. uh, instead of keep calm and carry on. Uh, we need individuals to continue to wear their masks. Don't mm-hmm. be bullied by somebody telling them you shouldn't wear your mask or it's not real. Understand mm-hmm. this starts with you. You need to wear your mask when you're around people or in, in group settings. Everyone agrees with that. We need people reaching out to those in authority positions for the local schools, You need to convince your local school board Mm -hmm. to take action on this and put some kind of policy in place, especially with those sports and other extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. that will be moving indoors. With those happening, we need those kids masked up as much as possible, Mm -hmm. as well as the adults, even the ones who are half-heartedly wearing a mask or wearing the mask around their chin instead of over their nose, encourage people to wear it the right way. Uh, start with your local school board and your local administrators. Start with your city council members. A lot of mayors are mm-hmm. taking this very seriously, but we need more of them doing that. Yes. Certainly continue to reach out to the members of the state board of education. Uh, we don't see this getting in, any better anytime soon, at least until a vaccine is developed. We're not mm-hmm. going to get to herd immunity without a vaccination. Right. So we still have got at least in my opinion, six months before a vaccine is widespread. Uh, We need that advocacy side. Mm -hmm. We're the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy. We need advocates out there who are willing to step up and call for this and continue to call for this and be that loud voice. Write letters to the editor of your local newspaper. Mm -hmm. Contact your elected officials. It was announced yesterday. Two state representatives tested positive at the swearing-in at their oath oh, of office, my word.
1: as as they weren't yeah. wearing masks as well. I did not. I mean, just uh, if you saw the pictures. Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, uh, one of them had, uh, to her credit, she had been told she had antibodies. She said that she had been told before she didn't she had it. She didn't think she could get it again, and then tested. Lo and behold, she did have it. The other one knew and did his oath of office separately. But that being said, they're still doing contract, contact tracing. Uh, who knows if there were other people who were in the crowd. Uh, we need our leaders wearing masks and making sure that they are taking this serious and setting an example. And we need to set that example to those officials and to those parents and those family members. And we all just need to look out for each other and make sure each of us stays healthy and have each other's back. Yes.
1: And really, that's the importance of, of the coalition because it can't just be one group contacting right. and saying, hey, we think this. The, the strength of the coalition is the broad base of folks that, that are a part of it. So, Joe, let us know who all's on the mask coalition thus far.
2: I will say this, this is a group of heavy hitters. I have not seen a group of organizations with this much authority and stroke, uh, get involved in an issue like this before we have. Obviously, the Oklahoma Education Association, one of the first members to be a part of this, Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy. Mm -hmm. We have the Oklahoma State Medical Association, the doctors of Oklahoma who are out there on the front lines. We also have the, the Oklahoma Chapter for the American Academy of Pediatrics, Those children's doctors. Yes. Uh, The Oklahoma Retired Educators Association just joined us. Hearts for Hearing has gotten involved with this. Great. Uh, We've had several superintendents. We've had former board members from OSSAA uh, get involved. Uh, These are the groups out there that have a strong voice and a strong community working. together and the fact that all of us are working together on this issue it gives me hope that we will see something change
0: well we appreciate that advocacy work and we appreciate um that that push and um there's still much to be done
1: it comes down to we've got to keep our kids safe Do, do we want to have parties and um celebrate holidays together Or I just want my kids to be able to
0: go to school or go to school full time. You know, if we do wear a mask. Yeah. I mean, and I I don't mean just like today go to school. I mean like this Mm -hmm. year, go to school. You know what I mean? Like I just, Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate your time and we appreciate your advocacy very much.
2: Uh, Likewise. It's a pleasure to get to work with you all uh, day in and day out on the many issues uh, where we're working on the same side of the issues and, and, I would just say for everyone out there, please be careful around Thanksgiving. Please be careful yes. around Christmas. We know we wanna to be together. If you're going to get together the a group, make sure everyone quarantines before you get together mm-hmm. and try and limit the crowds as much as possible. Nobody wants to be separated from loved ones, but for their safety, for this short period of time, uh, it's something that we need to do.
1: And everybody would get their own kids table oh right <laughs> just
0: imagine how that works yes out. yes
2: Four turkey for each of us
0: yeah um, i'm just saying after all of us being in our very small house for so very long i would like my own kids table just <laughs> by myself that sounds excellent
1: socially distance within the house everybody has a kids table
0: thank you so much joe thank you Well, we are joined this morning by OEA member and Senator-elect Joanna Dossett. Good morning. Good
3: morning. It's so nice to be with you this morning.
0: Well, we appreciate your time. We wanted to uh, visit with you uh, now that we're sort of post-election a little bit and everybody's had a chance to breathe and C- calm down and relax a little bit maybe sleep maybe sleep I don't know don't get crazy Alicia <laughs> I know um well, we wanted to just to talk to you about your campaign um so first of all tell us a bit about your background as an educator
3: oh wonderful it's my favorite part of of this whole story I um just yesterday uh, resigned uh in the middle of my 16th year uh, of wow. being an Oklahoma public educator I, for the last many years, have been teaching English learners. Uh, I teach English language development to English learners at the elementary level. So that's kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, yesterday was, was full of tears and uh, air hugs and air high fives. Oh, yeah. uh, just making sure that we, yes, that we were maintaining appropriate distance um, and safety, even in the midst of some, some strong emotions on yeah. all sides. Um, you know, my fifth graders get it. My five-year-old, this is pretty hard um, yeah. to explain everything yeah. to them. And so certainly, um, you know, honestly, I'm sure that they're all geared up to have a wonderful school day today, but I still have some some lingering sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, resigned. Uh, looking forward uh, to swearing in to the Oklahoma State Senate next week. And um, really diving into some of the issues uh, that are affecting my district, state senate district 35 here in Tulsa, and Oklahoma, um, both issues that have I think arisen or come to light during 2020, but also issues that are underlying, that that folks like me, folks like public educators, have always known uh, are contributing factors. Uh, to Oklahoma not achieving its full potential. Um, so yeah, I just I'm so glad that, that to start the day with you all here on a morning that I might be, um, uh, you know, feeling a little sadness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, just thank, thank you for being listening ears, and 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 like I am, uh, hopeful that we have so much good work to do and capacity to do that good work. Uh, even amidst the challenges of 2020 moving forward.
1: So some people may not understand why you had to resign your job when you don't take office for a a little bit. Um, So the state law is that you cannot be paid by two government entities. You can't hold two government jobs. And they consider public education Mm -hmm. a government job. So anyone who wins an elected office a state elected office has to resign from being a public school teacher uh, or other government employee whereas if you had sold insurance or were a sure. lawyer or something like that you don't have to resign from your job it's it's yeah. a different uh, a different um, responsibility level
0: and it sounds I'm so yeah uh, oh, no, yes. no, oh sorry just- I no, absolutely. And I think I
3: definitely don't want to pre commit to any action, you know, that I might take with respect to this as a state legislator. But it really is. It's it's something that well, like I stated earlier, has really hit home in my house. Um, I can't be a teacher anymore. Mama can't be a teacher anymore and, and, and go to school anymore. And I think this is a, a just a really interesting, you know, thing that's Happening in the midst of a teacher shortage. Right. Um, So, and and that kind of goes back to I was mentioning before that pre 2020, pre pandemic, Oklahoma had problems um, that were keeping us from fulfilling our full potential. One of those greatest problems is our verifiable crisis level teacher shortage. And I do think that moving forward as a state legislator, I would like to unturn every single stone, uh, explore every single option of how we can, um, strengthen our teacher core, uh, strengthen our, our, our conventionally certified teacher core. And I mean, I think there are ways to do that. Not necessarily saying that, you know, legislators uh, can also continue being public school teachers, but what other, um, important and valuable, you know, segments of our population, uh, could be encouraged, um, enticed in some way to enter the teaching profession, um, so that we can strengthen that teacher core.
0: So, Clearly, you love your job as an educator. I mean, you've been doing it for 16 years and, you know, feeling all the feelings today, of course. What was the spark that made you decide to run for office?
3: Oh, it was public education funding, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, yes. So I started teaching in Oklahoma in 2005. And uh, for those of you, many of you listening who have uh, been in the game that long and much longer, I'm sure, you might remember the years of 2005 to 2008 yeah. as years of relative plenty. Um, I don't know if, if plenty Maybe and moderate uh, public education ap- in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moderate yeah. appropriateness. Could, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So those were my first three years in the classroom. I remember those for you know the first three years in the classroom are a little bit of a, a whirlwind and sure. kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. But one, uh, one thing I remember about those three years, I, I just re- I remember having enough. I remember having the resources I yeah. needed, the books I needed. I remember. My class size is being manageable. Mm -hmm. I even remember, and can you imagine this, those were the three years that I uh, was also uh, studying for my master's degree, uh, which is in TESOL, teaching English to speakers of other languages. Mm -hmm. Um, I was pursuing my master's degree, and my employer, a public school district in the state of Oklahoma, was able to reimburse me for my expenses. What?
0: Yeah. That is
3: was massive and of course Uh. i was a young kid well young kid i think i was 24 25 when i started teaching but anyway i don't think i really realized the the gravity of that how incredible that was um so anyway i just remember those three years as, as a time of relative plenty 2008 hits and i probably don't need to tell this story uh, you know, I think everyone listening probably knows that 2008 to 2018 were incredibly yeah. tough years yeah. for public education in Oklahoma uh, oh. due to, I mean, I don't know if we even need to say it, I mean, the deepest cuts to public education in the nation. Yes. Um, you know, we, we all we all know this. Um, but I, I, I think what does bear repeating is how teachers and students could tell at the ground level Absolutely. Um, how those cuts were affecting them. So class sizes. And um, in my case, um Caseload. When I uh, when I transitioned to being an English language development teacher, mm-hmm. uh, class size became not so relevant to me, but more like caseload. Mm. Um, so class sizes and caseload just got out of control. Yes, absolutely. Um, the resources, yeah, the resources that we needed to address our growing number of students, it just seemed to get just smaller and smaller each year. I do remember when I started um, teaching English language development. And that actually was, uh, like 2008. Uh, I taught, uh, actually social studies uh, for the first, uh, for the first uh, three years. Sorry, it must've been 2009 then, um, that I switched over to English language development. But I remember I had a KFOD of 35 to 40 for the first couple years of that. And I've got to tell you, you know, for the last four or five years, I've had KFODs of well over 100. Oh my word. And, uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, what? And you know, yes. Yeah. And so you know, on one hand, you know, my teacher's joy just increases because you know, just the more wonderful and beautiful and incredible kids, the merrier, right? But mm-hmm. also on the just the side of just effectiveness. Um, sure. being able to do what I'm supposed to do with these wonderful and special and beautiful kids, yeah. um, you just, you know, I feel like no matter how many efficiencies you find and we've all found them, um, no matter how resourceful you get and we all got more resourceful, uh, at, at some point, you know, the towel becomes too saturated with water, if, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: you, you become less effective and I do think that that affects teacher morale as well. And, you know, as much as you try to um, shield or protect your students, you know, your classroom or your caseload from the negative effects of funding cuts, um, you know, your morale, you know, starts sinking. And at the sure. end of the day, kids can feel that. Kids can feel that, too. Sure. And, um, yeah, and so, and so it was It's pretty much those, those 10 years, 2008 to 2018, where I really started realizing, wait, something's not right. And then I think that's the story of many of us. Throughout the state, and uh, you know, we all know the events of the 2018 legislative session. You know, we had massive uh, work stoppage, uh, mm-hmm. teacher walkout, and you know, I think all of us would agree that the advances in teacher pay that happened in 2018, and let's not forget 2019, there was right. a, there was another pay raise. Yes, um, you know, those are incredible steps forward. We've all said it, we've all heard it, and we all mean it. Um, but uh, we're just not we're not finished. Uh, we're just not finished and I do hope that um, once I do, once I am sworn in, once I do make it to the Senate floor that I can just join that growing number of voices from the Senate floor that never stop saying we're not finished yet Mm -hmm. Uh, the advances of 2018 and 2019 were not enough, they were first steps but they were simply not enough, we still need classroom funding, we still need finally to acknowledge the value and importance of our support personnel um, who desperately need better better conditions and wages.
0: Yes.
3: Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's where we are. Not not to say that the fight for increased teacher pay is over. It's not. None of it's over. I mean, none sure, of it's sure. over. I just think that we're we just have to um, we have to really focus on uh, the right time for which advance. Sure. And um, you know, right now, I mean, right now, um, you know, classroom funding is so much more critical because we're all dealing with these new conditions of, you know, teaching over virtual platforms. Yes. And um, and a lot of us, even if, even if we're in person, uh, there are many school districts, you know, which are in person. Um, but, I mean, to be quite honest with you, there's not a teacher out there who's not teaching in per- both in person and virtually because, you know, as soon as members of her classroom are quarantined, she's also providing... You know, virtual asynchronous mm-hmm. instruction, right? Uh, al- Along alongside the conventional in person, she's uh, I- instruction she's providing all day, and um, we just we desperately need training. Uh, we need you know tools, resources, hardware, um, increased internet capacity, just everything yes. to make um, to make these new conditions more manageable, more doable, um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, good for kids. You know, uh, so that's kind of where we are.
1: Yeah. We've been having um, meetings with NEA presidents and execs all week, and um, and yeah. every day at a certain time, my internet, just the the ability to be on camera and speak and uh, be able to hear just goes. And um, and and I've got my colleague friend in um, Colorado. Uh, she's got three or four children. I can't remember which. But um, she can't ever turn her camera on because there's just not enough
0: bandwidth for the kids
1: to be doing that, this virtual that's our school. House. Yeah. And, yeah. And, we live,
0: and we live in town. You know, yeah, if, we have regular Internet. And if both kids are, are streaming, then, you know, whatever I've got to do is got to wait. Yeah. Because it, I mean, and, and we live in town. It's not, and there that. So I'm saying it just pales in comparison to challenges that are folks who are in living outside of in rural the town. areas, yeah. or where there's not
1: very many towers, or where they have to have even have yeah. their own hotspot, yeah, because those don't always work. So what, um, what what policies do you think you would be interested in working on when you're in, uh, when when we're going in January, February?
3: Well, not to so harp. Too much on education, but the thing is, I don't think you can harp too much on education. So <laughs> I'll start with those and then expand out a little bit. Um, I really, I, I, I understand that the you know the upcoming budget years are going to be tough. There's right. um, so much fallout from you know economic fallout from COVID nineteen that uh, I honestly don't know the prospects for increases in funding at this time. Mm. But what I do know. Is that now is not the time to cut really vital core services. Right. We really need to do everything we can to protect the funding that we have now for those vital services, such as public education. Yes. In the midst of protecting funding, uh, you know. Well, i sorry. I just right now, public schools are, are the entities holding communities together. Mm-hmm. Whether whether the whether the instruction is in person. Whether it's virtual, whether it's a combination of both, schools, as always, are the entities feeding, literally feeding people. Yes. Making sure that they are safe during, making sure that they are safe during the day, making sure that wages are still earned. And to the extent that, you know, teachers and support professionals and all school employees contribute to the economy, that the economy Mm -hmm. is still going um, so we, public schools at this time cannot sustain cuts and it's, it's, not just for the sake of public schools, it's for the safe, it's for the, the, pardon, it's for the, um, the sake of the, the community around yes, the public right. school. And then of course this, the state at large, um, now in the, in the midst of like what I said earlier, is going to be, you know, difficult budgeting time this year, perhaps next year as well, perhaps the next year as well. I yeah. think there are some low cost measures that we can work on towards um I mentioned earlier, uh, building that teacher core back up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can we can look at options, for example, like paid internship for teachers who are completing the internship portion of their teacher prep. Yes.
0: Why not why not look Seriously, at why not look though, at paying that, for that? Thank yes. you. Yeah. That makes me crazy. Yeah, well, that makes me crazy. Yes, I mean, just volunteer yeah, I mean, for a semester. I hope it's fine. You can take out loans. I'm sorry, that's a whole exactly, other right. I, mean, I yep. I'm on that yep. team. Teachers
3: and, yes, teachers and teachers in training have bills to pay just like everyone yep. else. Yep. And um and so we can we can look at that. We could look at reimbursement or waiving uh a certain certification exams. So maybe you've got you've got a teacher who's already certified. And he or she wants to add an endorsement to their certificate, mm-hmm. and and honestly, y'all, when teachers do that, it's often because they want to do something good for their school system, their yeah. school, yeah, and yeah. kids in it. Yeah.
0: Um,
3: so looking, at, look, and these are these these are minimal costs. So looking at the you know the cost of those certification exams, and if those are prohibitive to folks uh, going on and getting those endorsements that they need, they and are. I, I mean, I was school.
1: tagged. I was tagged in a post about. Uh, a teacher trying to or a future teacher trying to pass the Ogat Oget and um and how they had to take it a couple of times and it was like an astronomical yeah. amount of money that they were putting into just trying yep. to to take all the tests to become a teacher it's yeah
0: it, hundreds and hundreds yep. of dollars
3: yes we can. I mean, I think we can look at. We can also. And so, teaching in person during pandemic is. You know, it's 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 just a whole new world for for so many of us. But take a look at our retirees, for example. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got retirees, and le- and honestly, talking about public schools, you know, being the entities that, that that hold communities together, retired teachers are folks who literally to this day hold their communities together. Mm-hmm. You know, they're volunteering in schools. They're volunteering at polls. Mm-hmm. They're very active, you know, in their community. If we have retired teachers who are interested in going back into the profession for a number of years, we could look at cutting down some of those restrictions and barriers uh, which keep them from doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that would be, you know, you talk about folks with, with wisdom and experience, and if they still have the energy and the desire, some of them the need, even to you know to go back into the classroom uh, we need to make sure that that's, uh, that that's something that, that can happen if that's the right fit for them and also looking at uh, increasing uh, how much out-of-state experience that we accept yes. uh, when, when when teachers uh, when teachers move and, and who knows why a person is moving or moving back to Oklahoma Maybe it's a, maybe it's with a spouse's uh, the industry. Uh, maybe it's to come back to take care of aging parents. you just never know. And if we have, if we have certified teachers who are moving or moving back to Oklahoma um, and it's a barrier at all, uh, the limited number of years of experience that can be accepted uh, from their prior teaching career, we need to remove that.
0: Let, let uh, people that, have that the option. Way. Give them the option to yeah. teach.
1: Yeah, Let's- districts can make that choice, but um, but the, we should do something as a state to make sure that we can uh, fund them appropriately. Yeah. Now, Joanna, here's one thing that I wonder about. Um, For our listeners, uh, your brother is also a senator. um, And I'm just thinking about my interactions. I have three brothers. And I have one. And and we were discussing. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking, you know. (laughs) <laughs> how fun would that be to uh, create and discuss and debate policy with would, your brothers? Like, Would it involve wrestling? Yeah. Would it involve, <laughs> like... <laughs> like, I, I'm thinking my brothers and I would end up duking it out, and we'd be fine afterwards, you know, and we'd go on and create great policy. But, um, but you know, fisticuffs might happen. Um,
3: how how so do you I think it's going to be? Yes. Um, with all the love in my heart, I want to say this is all J.J.'s fault. <laughs> everything that, um, like everything since he was born has always been his fault. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a great life until he was born. And then, you know, I was all of three years old, right? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, no, he, guys, he's, he, I, and well, I, I, I say this from a personal point of privilege. He's wonderful and um we agree I with that all of this yeah. is his fault. yes um he's um he, he may be my little brother um but he really is my big hero uh i i cannot wait to and i really think it might actually be sitting next to him because he's 34 and i'm 35 oh yeah um, next to him or right in front of him or right behind him so i think we may even be sitting next to one another i i can promise um uh, you know dangerous to make promises in this uh in this business but i can promise i i will keep the mom who's bothering me to a minimum <laughs> yeah i will keep that and um, keep that inside i don't think senate leadership would appreciate that and um you know we'll we'll be uh, polite and and full of decorum on the floor um in in private of course you know we'll debate <laughs> issues his vote and my votes are going to be different because yeah. our districts. Are it, drastically yeah. different, yeah. and I, I I don't mean to I, I don't mean to sound overly dramatic, but I mean they really are drastically different. Uh, he has a district which comprises all three: the rural, suburban, and urban uh, residents and voters. Um, he has a district which you know within it uh, have a, a variety of very different school districts. He has, yeah. you know, he has residents who live within Tulsa Public Schools, of Public Schools, Collinsville Public Schools, mm. Barry and Skyatube. Yeah. I mean, these are very, and, and these are, so if you look at, um, you know, the district where I serve, I'm going to serve, uh, District 35, it's entirely urban. Uh, at the very southern edges, uh, it starts to look a little bit more suburban, but the addresses are all Tulsa addresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, two school districts served. Tulsa uh, Public Schools and Jenks Public Schools, um, and, you know, and those those school systems are drastically different from, for example, Sky Tukor's Berry Public Schools sure. out in, in yes. District 34. Um, and so there's just, it, I, anyway, I could go on and on about the differences between the two di- districts, but uh, hopefully I've made it clear. Anyway, JJ's votes and my votes will not always match. Right, uh, They won't. And, um, and he, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I've got to tell you, he, he is the easiest guy to work with. He is just a pleasure to be around all the time. And in that way, I mentioned earlier that he's, uh, you know, he, he's my hero, my little brother, but my big hero, right? I tend to be the one who over analyzes everything, um, is a, wants to be a perfectionist at everything, um, a real people pleaser all the time. And so you can imagine I'm always a little bit more wound up than (laughs) than he is. And I find being around him helps me calm down and think think through things more clearly. Um, He always helps me not to take myself or any situation too seriously, Uh, you know, just to realize that, uh, you know, you just got to put in the work, do your very best and, uh, you know, and move on uh, from any situation. And, and so honestly, I can't wait to
0: to
3: work right beside him.
0: Well, anybody who has siblings know, knows that your votes would definitely not always match. Right. (laughs) Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And, and it's, I think extra cool to talk to you today, this sort of in between (laughs) time between your career as an educator and your, your upcoming career as a, as a legislator, we are, we are really excited for you.
3: Thank you so, so much. You all have made what might have been a little bit of a sad morning um, so much happier. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Doo, 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 doo. Uh, first of all, get your calendars out because I'm going to give you three important dates save the date for our organizing conference. It's going to be virtual mm-hmm. and uh, the dates are February 26th and 27th. February 26th is a Friday. It'll be an evening activity, no school missed. And the 27th will be all day. We'll have different breakout sessions on all kinds of stuff that we can organize around.
0: I love organizing conference. It's so fun. I I love it.
1: Yes. And right now our um, board of directors are reaching out to local leaders, asking for their input on cool. uh, what kind of sessions they'd like yeah. to see. So if you've got ideas about that, you can contact your board member, or you can email the um, email me or the podcast and and give us your ideas on on what you want to um, experience at organizing conference. It's going to be fabulous. Uh, and then two dates with member benefits. First on November seventeenth at four thirty. We're going to have our NEA member benefits um, guru, David Glenn. Who's delightful. He is. Has just, been on the
0: podcast. Yes,
1: fantastic. He's going to come in and give an overview of, um, of member benefits. What are member benefits? How do you tap in? Yeah. Um, how can I save money? And you can save more than your dues dollars by tapping into uh, to NEA member benefits. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. And the second uh, date... For member benefits issues is November nineteenth. This one is specifically for student loan debt uh, and um, and help with that. Yes. So um, there is a uh, free pro- well, it's a program that's through NEA member benefits, and you can access uh, parts of it, I believe, for free for a year. So um, and and they manage like all the paperwork and stuff to try and get some student loan debt forgiveness. Yeah. So that
0: is exciting. How to to successfully navigate that in spite of Betsy DeVos. Yes. Bye-bye, Betsy. (laughs)
1: Um, And uh, you can register for those. There was a link in the Edge uh, that came Mm -hmm. out on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to the OEA Facebook page and register. So um, there'll be an event uh, part there. Um, make sure and spread that far and wide. Let your colleagues know about both of those, or actually all three of those great events. Yeah. And the last thing uh, that that I want to talk about uh, was also on the edge. Um, it is a, uh, a holiday grief coping workshop that is being done by Calm Waters.
0: And um, we're super, Jordan- super excited to pass that. Jordan Park is one of the folks who will be presenting that. and She's been on the podcast before. And it's, you know, this time of year, I mean, especially this year, there's just, it's it's a challenging time of year for for many folks.
1: Yes. And it is uh, Coping with Grief Through the Holidays, November 18th at noon. Um, it's a free online workshop for families going through a grief journey, whether that's death, divorce, deployment, deportation, incar- incarceration, foster and adoptive care challenges, Um th- we want you to be healthy. Yeah. Um, And that's not just physically healthy, that's mentally healthy. And so uh,
0: please reach out, reach out. You can, you can sign up at calmwaters.org. Excellent. Totally, totally free. Uh, Great partners that we have
1: at calm waters and, and what great work they do with our uh, students in schools and with, with us in community. So uh, thank you to
0: calm waters for doing that. We all got to, we all gotta get help when we need it. Yep. And right now is just a crazy time, and oh lordy. And and don't, f- you know, there's such a stigma sometimes around mental health, which issues. is crazy. If you broke your leg, you wouldn't be like, "Man, I'm just gonna walk this up." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. We'll see how it goes. Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> I mean, right, right now it's. I mean, right now is a challenging time for all of us, anyway. You know what I mean? Like yes. just the baseline of. The pandemic and plus their you know family issues continue and personal issues continue and it's just yeah financial
1: issues with people being laid off or furloughed or you know this that or the other lost their job and and sometimes we just need to reach out and say you know what i'm i'm at my wit's end and and i need help and there's nothing wrong with that
0: calm waters is
1: a great place to have that
0: safe space yes Well, we want to say uh, thank you today to Joe Dorman, executive director of the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy and the lead wrangler for the Mass Coalition. We also want to say thank you to Joanna Dossett, uh, OEA member and Senator-elect. Super exciting for joining us today on the podcast. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe,
1: rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.